Welcome back, everybody, to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 49. I'm your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I'm Mike McKenna. How you doing, Mike? I haven't talked to you in a while. Yeah, well, you haven't missed anything. Uh, to all of our listeners, I know I've already gotten two, two inquiries as to why there was no Unregulated Podcast last week. That is all on me. I was just going to say because of our natural laziness. Well, I'll take the blame. I was uh, uh, I was in an undisclosed location for the week, so um, but we're back. This is our final episode uh, of the summer, so I think we're going to be kind of loose, uh, not overly structured, and short. <laughs> unlike the incredibly unlike, tight people you see, Ryan. Yeah, I think un un rather unstructured is a constant, but uh, uh, we're going to probably. Maybe less less structured than usual. <laughs> exactly. Now, um, who's uh, whose number forty nine comes to your mind, Mister McKenna? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this. I can't think of any single person. Ron Guidry. Oh yeah. The Gator. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Yep. 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 I was thinking about that this morning. I'm like forty nine, man. I can't think of a forty nine. I can't think of a fifty either. Uh, I don't know about 50. I'm going to have to do a little research for next week, but that is like a lifetime away. So yeah, seriously, we should have a party. Um, I, I, there's so much going on as usual that we could talk about. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that I want to get too much further in the, the Afghanistan stuff. I, I hate to say we told you so, but we told you so, right? Um, it was inevitable uh, uh, what happened, the, the horrific uh, events that took place. Um, so I don't know. Do you want to want to get into it a little bit, or? Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to. to I think the most important thing, not the most important thing, the most the most important thing was, of course, what actually happened on the ground. But for for Washington folks, right? For politics, the most important thing is is that. Um, President Biden managed to blow up his own brand, right? He, you know, he's had this brand as, hey, I'm a competent oldster and I've seen a bunch of stuff and done a bunch of stuff and nothing's past my competence level. And hey, I'm Joe empathetic, right? And, um, you know, in about span of about 15 days, he blew up, he managed to blow up both of those. And that's, um, you know, probably a real problem for him because he's going to need to spend the next 90 days trying to trying to convince a bunch of um, members of Congress to do stuff that they don't want to do. Um, and he's now a, he's now a damaged, a damaged product. And then um, the empathetic thing, um, it, it, you know, it, it, it was always a fiction mercifully it went away. Um, Bill McGurn in the wall street journal wrote an editorial wrote a column about three days ago. I recommend everybody read it. Um, at the top of the column, he said, look, you know, President Biden, you know, was running around talking like Bo Biden died in combat, like he was a combat death. And he wasn't, you know, and what happened? Yeah, was, I, 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 you know, what happened is sad and tragic. Yeah, he did not, in fact, die in combat. He was a JAG officer, um, you know, with the Delaware National Guard um, and died of cancer, surrounded at home by his family. I just, it's just a, another, yet another in a long line of like, you know, embellishments from this guy, yeah. <laughs> just flat out lies. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. just, and 
I, I know this is like a broken record, so yeah. what, nobody nobody calls him on it. Nobody calls him on well, it. See, but people are starting to call him on it, right? And that's the tricky thing. I, at at the top of this administration, actually, right after the election, I wrote a I wrote a memo about what it all meant back December, January, something like that. And I said, look, eventually the media is going to turn on the guy because they're beavers, right? They have to chew on something, right? And chewing on Trump is eventually going to get tedious. And, and we're here. We are here. They're going to chew on him now. And that, this, is a, this is an administration that's going to be really, really surprised when they start getting scrutiny. Yeah. And it's also going to be that much more exhausting for them right well it, it already looks like a uh you know a tired old guy up there um and, and that's what most of the media like solidly in is in their camp so uh, yeah it, it, it's it's you know a friend of mine pointed this out to me before this whole afghanistan thing started he said look if something ever happens to the president that causes his um, approval ratings to fall, he's going to have real trouble because he can't do anything to improve them, right? He's not able to go out for extended periods of time and do speeches and interact with the media or, or voters. You know, he doesn't have the native energy necessary to do that. He doesn't have a really good cabinet team around him, right? Um, and he's got, he's got arguably, you know, the least helpful vice president in, in my lifetime, right? I was trying to think of a, a what another one least helpful. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, Lyndon Johnson, right? But yeah, yeah. As long as the question remains open about whether Lyndon Johnson actually had anything to do with President Kennedy's untimely demise, that's always going to be a question, right? How helpful are you, really? Um, yeah. But you look at the cabinet. You know, they picked a cabinet specifically of people who were not going to push back on the White House. And the good thing there is, okay, you don't get any pushback. The bad thing is when something, when, when you have a moment where you need strong cabinet officials, you're sunk because you don't have them. You know, it, it should be a Washington parlor game, right? How many cabinet officials in the Biden administration can you actually name? You know. And I've, I bet you even guys who live in Washington would have trouble getting to more than five. Yeah, I'd probably have pegged it around five at this point, because at some point, I just kind of stopped right. keeping track. Right. <laughs> so. you, know, it, it, you, know, you know, the great thing about, the great thing about um, having a, secret, a cabinet full of people who are, are not really fully qualified is, they don't push back, right? That's how the White House constructed this cabinet. They didn't want pushback. Great, they're not getting pushback. The problem, though, is when the when the bottom falls out, you have no friends who can go out there and help you, right? Now, if you if you if you asked even our listeners tend to be more more educated than most, hey, name me all the cabinet secretaries you can name me. They'd all stop around number five or six. You know, it used to be something I'd do as a, as a gag during Washington functions, you know, whenever people like, oh, the Rube's out in America and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, what they meant, of course, is people have something better to do than hang out around D.C. and like spend their whole lives worrying about policy stuff. Of course. I'd always say, hey, here's a quick question. Who's the secretary of education? Yeah. Oh, Anybody? yeah. Who's that guy? What's his name? Oh. Right. You, I, I, truthfully, I can't remember the name of the secretary of education. He's, I think he's from Rhode Island or Massachusetts, but that's all I can remember about. Yeah. Um, 
you know, who are we going to know? You know, the Secretary of State, Defense, in this administration, you know, the Secretary of Transportation. But beyond that, I mean, we know Jennifer Granholm. Secretary Jenny. If I, if I put a picture up of the EPA administrator, could you pick him out of a lineup? Yeah, probably, because we uh, contemplated whether we were going to score his, his nomination or not. So. Yeah, but, but I mean, I doubt most other people could, and nobody could get his, the pronunciation of his name correctly first time out. That is correct. Gina Raimondo's over at Commerce. I only know that because she used to be somebody in Rhode Island, but... You know, it, it's, it's Secretary of Labor. I got no idea who the Secretary of Labor is. Yeah, the Sarah, the health guy. So okay, I, I, you know, I would, I probably would have missed that, right? Yeah. And and the only reason I know about Secretary Mayorkas is because he, of course, is presiding over the second biggest catastrophe in the in the Biden administration. The the there's a uh, reason why, like, <laughs> they have you know these administrations these. These folks all have these incredibly uh, bold plans, right? And they've got to, like, uh, all right, this is how we're going to get it done. We're going to hire all these stooges to, you know, placeholders for these agencies. We're just going to get everything done out of the executive office. And then the real world happens, right? It's like I was, telling, I was chatting with a, a mutual friend of, about Secretary Pompeo and how. I, we're both convinced he's going to run and um, his friend said, you know, I didn't think he would have a prayer because I don't think people really care about foreign policy stuff anymore. And then something like this happens, right? It's like, you just never know what the issue is going to be, you know? That is correct. It, so. it, in every, in every, in every election, there's something that you don't see. You know what? Probably just take that as a life lesson. In every, in every day, there's something you don't see coming, right? Yep. Oh, I, I look I look at it with this organization. Yeah, how many years have I said, I don't think we're going to make it? <laughs> Six months, we're going to have to close the door. <laughs> you know, so. You've been closing that so door. Somehow, then, like, something changes, you know? And then it's like, oh, wait, we just did we just did that. So, we're you know, it's, it is. You're right. You've been closing that door every six months for 15 <laughs> years now. Uh, okay, so this was a bit back, but I wanted to bring it up. Um, We're gonna circle General Motors up. expanded its recall of the Chevrolet Bolt electric car. I saw that, yeah. Found to be at risk of catching fire. Uh, now the recall covers 2017 through 2022 models. Yeah. All right, and we're talking... Uh, billion dollars on top of what has already spent on previous bolt recalls so this is the company general motors who announced that the electric vehicle is the future and they want the they want to bet the company on the electric vehicle yeah it yeah i want to say like the the numbers that it was going to cost them like were like nine or ten thousand bucks per vehicle right and the, and the and the recall was essentially everything, right? Um, and if you think about it, nine or ten thousand bucks, if you just add that on to the to the you know what a vehicle costs, all of a sudden you're buying something roughly equivalent to a you know a Pinto, a 1973 Pinto, you know, cost you fifty grand. I mean, it it, it, it the, the automakers must know that this stuff is is 
niche at best and problematic at worst. So and, the, the, see, the 2017 through 2022 means that it, the 69,000 roughly vehicles from the 17 to 19 era and 73,000 for the 19 to 22, um, which tells you also that there's basically like, you know, not that there hasn't been a big difference uh, in the number of vehicles sold in spite of the, the, the most earned media on the planet for, for a product, right? Like every government is, you know, giving them millions of dollars worth of earned media. Um, so about 142,000 cars total in a $1.8 billion. That's $12,676 per vehicle. Yeah, about 12 grand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's crazy. You could you could go out and get yourself a pretty reasonably um, a pretty reasonable used car for twelve grand. Yeah. You know? Well, not today. Well, yeah. Even today, you could get yourself you know pretty reasonable used car for twelve fifteen grand and drive it around and be very happy with it and yeah. not worry about it lighting on fire in the garage. That's the thing, and and there's all kinds of uh, both anecdotal and actual evidence, but the on the anecdotal side is that these fire departments are not happy <laughs> that well, you can't put these out they that you can't put them out yeah i'm assuming they're gonna i'm assuming fire departments are ultimately going to have the same guidance for these things that they do for chemical fires right because these things are just chemical fires and the guidance on chemical fires is clear the space make sure nothing else lights on fire and let it burn itself out because there's yeah. no yeah and, and that's and that i don't blame anybody right the problem is is of course you know, big chemical fires tend to happen in businesses and chemical facilities, right? Where you can clear the space. Electric vehicles light on fire. They're likely to light on fire in a garage or in a parking lot. We're clearing the space is going to be tough. It's or worse at an accident scene, right? Yeah. It's, I keep coming back to this, you know, Ford, GM, you know, they're, they're, they're not quite betting the company, but they're getting close on this, on this, on this silliness. Um, you know, and, and I, I would, I would note that the, that the Biden administration is probably more hedged than they are on it. Right. Because if you look at the cafe, the proposed cafe stuff, it doesn't really necessitate wide scale introduction in the next couple of years. And the president only said, I forget what he said, oh, 50% by 2035, I think, is what his, his goal was, right, in the executive order, or 2030, I'm sorry, 50% by 2030, um, you know, that, 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 is, that is not going to happen, but it's not even, it's not as aggressive as the progressives would like it, but even that's not going to happen. And the car guys um, didn't say anything, right, when they came out, except, yeah, that's great. Not a single one of them said, we're going to exceed that. You know, which if you really believed your product, you'd be like, that's great, but, you know, it's way too modest. We're going to exceed it. They're all like, that's great. Thanks so much. Because by now they must know it's fiction, right? Now, now that they've had a, a good seven or eight months to like let themselves calm down and think, okay, what are these guys actually going to do? Right. You know, you know, to, your, you know to, your, to your point, you know, you come in like, we're going to do a bunch of great stuff. Then the world starts intervening. You're like, huh, maybe we're not going to do some of that great stuff yeah i just i also think that um you know the marketplace uh is an, an amazing thing because uh it's like this 
thing we were talking about before we started the podcast this new fancy tent that like you you put on the beach uh, on the beach right it works really well it works with the wind takes like three minutes to put up it's totally portable right it's a great product and they're charging a lot of money for it and people are buying it yeah okay the 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 electric vehicle is not it's not a superior product to the internal combustion engine vehicle um, and it's not sig significantly or demonstrably better for the environment, which is supposedly the sole purpose that, you know, that we're, we're forcing this transition, right? <laughs> because of this is the existential threat portion yeah. uh, of the show. Yeah. So, so, so every once in a while you get a peek in how people actually think. And, uh, there's like a hotel at Emerald Isle, which is a place in North Carolina on the beach that you and I are familiar with. And it posted something on a face on its Facebook page on the Emerald or Facebook page because it has a, an electric vehicle charger outside, right? And said, "Ah, oh, you know, we've used it, you know, three hundred nine hours or whatever in the last year, you know." So basically, like, okay, one car came in, you know, the average is an hour per per day is what it's been used, right? And that's you know taken whatever number of emissions out of the air, and which is the equivalent of planting, you know. 50 trees or 500 trees or whatever the hell it was. And um, they got lit up like a Christmas tree in the comments. <laughs> I think they were expecting, it was like, that's great. What they got instead was a barrage of like, this is stupid. This is a pointless waste of space. It doesn't actually reduce emissions. The life cycles are not nearly as good as you think they are. What about the toxicity? What about China? I mean, it was almost like you and me had written the comments. And it, <laughs> I just read them all and I just, I, I could laugh. I, I rarely read Facebook, but it just cracked me up. That's perfect. And I'm thinking to myself, this is a population that's not better nor worse educated than any other population in America about this stuff. So I think people are out there, they're aware of all this now, right? It's, it's, they're, 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 they're aware there's no such thing as a, as a perfect answer. Let's let's say it that way. Yeah, that's good. Um, and let's stick with the the, the existential threat uh, for a little while. The uh, there's a whole bunch of articles on this, and I was trying to find the best one, but turns out that a journal um, did a good job of sort of encapsulating um, what the uh, what the articles were, uh, and it's a, the same theme that we've been talking about, of course, and that is is that uh, Special Envoy Kerry would have loved to bifurcate everything going on with China and U.S. relations, except for climate change, yeah. <laughs> right? But climate change should be an oasis. Yes, an oasis. yes, yes. Oh, well, like nah, that ain't that ain't happening. Uh, Smartly and 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 shrewdly, China is essentially leveraging this fixation with climate change to extricate a whole bunch of concessions from the United States that are both right and just to to have uh, against China, started by in uh, the Trump administration, but continuing at least up till this point with the Biden administration. And they're also uh, making it absolutely clear that that we should stand down with respect to Taiwan. Sure. As part of this 
uh, as part of this. You need you need to fix your your uh, relations with us in these priority areas before we're going to sit down and talk to you about something meaningful on climate change. I, you know, <laughs> I think I think the thing about it is, um, I, I think the thing about it is, is this may be the first time in his whole life that that John Kerry's ever run across people who are like have no Ruth, they're ruthless, and and who who just are going to use his desperate need to be loved against him, right? I just don't think he's used to this at all. He's used to he's used to the democratic politics where everybody's kind of Twitter snarky and you know this kind of thing. I'm like Chinese are like American, you know, labor guys from the fifties with guns. I mean, they're they're a very serious bunch of people when they negotiate. They're like, oh, you want this? Okay, we want this, this, and this. You want our you want you want to do a little photo op with us, shaking hands and signing some stupid piece of paper that we have no no intention of doing? Great. Give us Taiwan and stop coming over here because you're annoying. Yeah. Well, not only he goes flies all the way over there to have a video conference. It, did you see the optics on that? I didn't. I it was like, it's like they're not even meeting with him in person. So why did he like burn all those carbon emissions so that he could have, you know, a, a high profile sit down with his counterpart in China over Zoom? I, I tell you what, it makes me it, it makes me think maybe I'm on the wrong side. You know that that's the kind of that's the kind of thing you really want your side to do. Yeah, fly over here. We'll, we'll we'll get you on a video. Yeah. So the list of U.S. wrongdoings that must stop includes sanctions on Communist Party figures. Yeah. State Department has restricted travel to the U.S. by some officials, including those connected to China's violation of its treaty obligations on Hong Kong. The list also complains of American efforts to shut down potential Chinese espionage operations in the U.S. Yeah, As I mentioned, the most significant of the three bottom lines is to back off its defense of Taiwan. Um, if the U.S. backs away from its Pacific alliances, the pitch seems to go. Perhaps China will sign up for more putative cuts to CO2 emissions in the future. Yeah. Um, you know, that's similar to this. That, that's similar to the list they gave Australia, right? Mm hmm. You know, basically said, hey, you guys need to stop being a, um, you guys need to stop being guardians and people who care about individual rights. Um, and and it's interesting, right? To, to my mind, I would take that if I was a, if I if I if I were an American president, I would take that list, and I would double down on all three of those things. I'd be, I'd be like, you know what? I'd sanction ten more guys because of Hong Kong. I would drop a battalion. I drop I drop a battalion, you know, of light light armor in American light armor in Taiwan. And, you know, it 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 I would I would I would figure out how to kick out even more Confucius Institute related people. How do you treat a bull how do you treat a bully? You punch him right in the nose. Right. Unless yeah. you're unless you're Chuck Schumer. <laughs> you're right. We'll talk about that one a little bit. Let's stick with the existential threat. Um hey for, for Chuck Schumer, that is an existential threat. <laughs> Um, okay, so ultimately, I think that I, we could not have gotten a better a better pick for special envoy. <laughs> I, yeah. It's just, I mean, he does. I don't know if he realizes it, but he's got to be. He 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 is setting the whole thing back. 
right? Yeah. It's amazing. Like he's doing our job for us. Yeah. So. I mean, he, he, yeah, he, he's, well, you hate to say this about a former secretary of state, but, but he's got a, he's got a heavy sense of the, of the carnival clown at this point. Yeah, It's really, it's really shocking to me. You know, it, so. it, it's sad. It's sad that I, it's sad that old guys who can't do their jobs anymore, just don't go away and play golf. Yep. You know? Yep. Just, there's, there's, there's a point in your career when, when it's time to just close it up. Right. And, and I'm at that point at, at, at my age. So. <laughs> Come on, man. We've got, we've only done 49 episodes. You can't like <laughs> bug out on me yet. This is America. I can do anything. <laughs> um, all right. So Joe Manchin. Yeah. Wall Street Journal. Yeah. It broke yesterday, but it's in the print edition today. Why I won't support another 3.5 trillion. A well-written well, ghost-written, I presume, op-ed uh, from Joe Manchin, which takes some liberties to explain that uh, he thinks that, uh, in a nutshell, that we should be pausing reconciliation yeah. uh, until we get a sense of all, what all the spending has done to the economy, whether any of it's working, and what long-term, whether this is short-term inflationary due to supply shortages and, and things of that nature, or uh, is, this, um, is this a systemic problem? So what's your take? I've got my take, what's your take? I read it and I, I, I read it and I had a very strong vibe that he's thinking about next year, right? This, I don't know what a strategic pause is, but I got the vibe that he was thinking, let's, let's wait three or four months and come back next year and do this. A bunch of political reporters think, yeah, this is just him running a lap to make sure everybody knows he's still there. The timing of it is the thing that makes me think that's not right, right? The timing of it, less than a, less than a week after, you know, the really dark moment in Afghanistan, um, he and other moderates must now understand that by, by shackling themselves to this president, they're at some risk of, of drowning. And I think I think that's what he's thinking about, right? And the other thing is that got no play at all. Kurt Schrader, right from Oregon, Democrat, moderate, got up yesterday, day before now, and said, "Hey, man, I'm not voting for this reconciliation." Right? I mean, he didn't he didn't say, "I'm not voting for three and a half trillion or anything like that." He just said, "I'm not voting for this." So I think Manchin is testing the waters for something a little bit more aggressive than he had previously been considering what do you think okay so i think that um this is a recognition that uh it, i think it's two things i think it's a recognition that there are um, um a lot of complexities here that probably in all in all reality won't get sorted out anytime soon um and so that's a gift that he's giving to the leaders, the Schumer and Pelosi's of the world, right? Like, you know, I'll be, I'll take the, I'll take the blame. I'll take the fire from all your progressives. Okay. The second thing, uh, and it ties a little bit uh, with it, but not entirely is, is the very, the, there's all, the thing about Joe Manchin is I want to, to believe uh, that he has um, 
you know, uh, some conviction, but it's hard because a West Virginia, you know, he shot, you know, it's always, it's always the, on the one hand and on the other. Right. But the line at the end, um, by placing a strategic pause on this budgetary proposal by significantly reducing the size of any possible reconciliation bill to only what America can afford and needs to spend, we can and will build a bigger and stronger nation for all our families. Yeah. That's the get out of jail free card. That's the, you know, Monty Hall part of this, of this otherwise I think really strong piece. Well, um, that I don't, and, and a lot of which I didn't disagree, but he's basically saying, I'm sorry, you what? Yeah, I'm sorry, that Washington phrase. No, a lot of which I agreed with. Oh, good uh, for you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so anyway, my point is, is that then, then I read that line and go, yeah, it's, you know, uh, let, let the bidding, let the bidding begin, right? It's well, like, so. Well, let, me, let, me, let me put two mechanical thoughts in your head, right? That are going to become for, forefront in the next 15 days. Um. We had debt ceiling. It's going to ripen in October. Yep. Uh, we should talk about that a little bit too. Yeah. We got a debt ceiling. It's going to ripen in October and we got appropriations for FY 2022 that we're going to need to have in place by September 30 to avoid a shutdown. Right now, the Republicans have made it clear that they're not going to vote to increase the debt ceiling. Right. Yeah, including Mitt Romney has, has held firm on that, on well, that uh, yeah. at the moment. So McConnell is probably not going to tolerate any any wandering on this one, right? And I doubt very much that they're going to vote for any kind of continuing resolution either, um, which means the Democrats are going to have to go back into the budget resolution and amend it to both increase the debt ceiling and include the continuing resolution to get me over, um, you know, so we don't have a shutdown on October 1st. There's not really enough time. We're going to have a shutdown of some duration. The question is how long it is, how complicated it is, and whether the Republicans are going to play along. If the Republicans don't play along, it could be a month. Um, and it's going to belong to the Democrats, right? Because they own the whole operation at this point. And I kind of wonder. Yeah, how do you blame the Republicans for a government shutdown when they control the whole town? I mean, they're going to, they're going to, oh, yeah, yeah. they're going to make some traction on that, but it's definitely, it's definitely going to be a tough sell. Yeah. The, the, but the, look, the problem with problem with previous shutdowns has never been the media or the Democrats. It's always been weak need Republicans and there just aren't that many weak need Republicans anymore. So I wonder if Manchin's looking at that, seeing it and saying, you know what, we need to take care of this debt ceiling and we need to take care of the shutdown. And after all that's done, then we can come back to reconciliation, but we can't do this stuff now. Um, while this, you know, we, we, we can't do all three things, right? And if you had to pick, right, if, you know, if you had to pick what, what, what America needed, it probably needs the debt ceiling first. It probably needs the FY22 approach second. And then way down the road, it needs record. I don't think it needs reconciliation at all. But, um, and I kind of wonder if that's not, that not partially the, um, the other part of the spur of this thing. Yeah, I think that's consistent with my first thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, is, yeah. You know, look, I'll I'll take the AOC slings and arrows because clearly Schumer can't. Um, you know, I'm giving you guys a little breathing room here, um, but in exchange for that, uh, I get to set the number, right? Like, like that's kind of in my head what that op-ed spoke to me. That that's what that that's what I heard. So I, I would say this, right? If we get into next year 
And I could easily see it going into next year, right? If we get into next year, reconciliation is not going to happen. The number is going to be zero. Mm-hmm. No one's going to want to touch this thing in an election year. Yeah, it, it, it's, there's a 40% chance it's going to fail right this year, right now. Every day that goes on, it gets a little bit worse for the Democrats. Nancy Pelosi's got herself the right theory of the case. Make it happen right now and don't let it bleed on. Yeah. No, because that's that's Washington, right? Like that's that's yeah, but I, you, I that is the, always the strategy uh to, to get something done. You can't like the the putting it off is is the death sentence of these of these monstrosities. Right. Time, right? time kills deals. I, the question, I guess, is and I and I think the answer is yes, but I'm not sure of this. The question is, does this does this thing from mansion change this operation fundamentally? And I think the answer is yes. I think this clarity now means, look, reconciliation, as you guys have constructed, it is dead. You need to think about a plan B and you're going to have to do debt ceiling and you're going to have to do um, appropes before you do the, before you do anything else. And that that is a, a real live formative change in this thing. I, and I'm, I'm with you, right? Anything involving Joe Manchin, you're like, Okay. (laughs) Time will tell, but I I think he might also have been, um, I don't, I'm not sure what the word is here, but he might've been like looking at the, the headlines about his count, his contemporary, uh, Senator Cinema, Cinema thinking, wow, she's getting a lot of ink. (laughs) It's just a fascinating thing right now. Like, as I said in a previous podcast, I am I am stunned at how far they've gotten it so far, given the landscape, right? Given all the opportunities for it to be like completely blown up and screwed up and the thinness of the majority on both sides. They have they have impressed me that they've marched it this far. Um, but I'm also like, this is like the, I've never this is like the world where who would have thought Joe Manchin and and, and Kristen Cinema would be like driving the driving the train here you know well i want to point out that as as long ago as april you and i both pointed out in this here podcast that everybody needed to watch cinema not mansion because she was the hard case in this yeah and that's true yeah and including her little like homage to john mccain when she you know thumbs down the the one vote uh the, the first procedural vote so i'm gonna say some i'm gonna say some politically incorrect but accurate um she understands that attractive females get away with stuff that other people wouldn't and that's just the way the world is and she she uses that like a weapon against against reporters and against other senators she just does and that's good you get god gives everybody certain gifts people can use them yeah, we, we tell like it is here on the unregulated podcast. Well, you know what? I mean, <laughs> I mean, you think about it. She she she's a smart, perceptive, attractive person. That's a really bad combination, right? Because that that you know, hard to hard to work around something like that. Because it's just um, you know they they if they can't beat you with one skill set, they'll beat you with another skill set. And that's we have um. Uh, this is a kind of a, a wander, um, a wander away from this because I want to get back to uh, taxes. Um, but 
one quick thing about the Afghan deal. Um, the Dems, uh, it, as hard as the Dems are pushing all this January 6th stuff, yeah. asking for White House records and, yeah. and all this, and how much is the White House going to give them? Nothing. Because, well, because then if they do, who's going to who's not going to be happy to give the next Republican Congress all of the White House records over the the complete botch job that this Afghanistan thing is. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and, and keep in mind everything that everything that the everything that those guys have asked for from the White House um, is not in control of the White House, is not in control of the executive office of the president, it's not in control of the individuals. It's controlled by the National Archives, right? Mm-hmm. National Archive and Records uh, Administration is actually the name of it, but it, it's controlled by those, right? Every everything you make or or do in the in the well, in the executive office of the president um, is housed in the archives and is not releasable to the public for ten years, right? And then you go to your presidential library and you read everything you feel like reading, but it's ten years, right? Um, administration is not going to do anything to move that timeline along and they are not going to encourage facebook or the um or phone companies or anything like that to um release their records either right because forget afghanistan for a second although that's the immediate problem the last thing anybody wants and the white house white house occupants are no different is having somebody come along and pick through their private records right that's right um you know, if some if something's foyable, archives has it. If it's not foyable, essentially, um, you know, it exists somewhere in 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 private hands, and those private hands are not going to give it up because it it's just a terrible precedent. And like you say, you know, terrible precedents tend to get used against everybody at some point. And and I'm assuming White House Counsel, who I don't know who that is now, but I'm assuming White House Counsel is going to be smart enough to figure that out, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'm pretty confident the Biden team looks at this January 6th thing like a pointless waste of time. Because if you notice, they have not like given a lot of speeches or talked about how great it is. This is Nancy Pelosi's third crack at impeachment, right? Yeah. You know, after a while, that that just gets in the way. I mean, you know, you're just, you're wasting mind share on something that's like useless. Although I will point out, off point, but eh, near point. Uh, the QAnon shaman guy. Yes, he's going to plead guilty. Yeah, he's he's doing a a, a plea. Yeah. Um, but he's also, good. he's denounced his QAnon ness. That's okay. And they have, um, you know, they've asked for respect because of his um, mental he, mental challenges. I don't know what mental challenges he might have. Um, that are greater than anybody else's. Uh, the interesting thing, and I hate to beat this drum, I know you like it when I beat this drum, what he's going to cop to is two misdemeanors, and the felony beef is the same as the last felony beef, obstruction of a prof- official proceeding, which, as I pointed out again, I pointed out earlier, and I'll point out again, um, if you really wanted to press your luck, you could charge pretty much everybody in D.C. and certainly have a registered lobbyist with that. No, I love it. No, I'm absolutely, like, keep saying it say it every week it's great yeah it's good as we get if we get a new listener they will not have heard it in episode 42 <laughs> right so. <laughs> so the official for the, for the instruction of our official proceeding 
which again, I myself have done, you probably have, um, felony 20 years, right? I'd be stunned if this guy got more than, um, the last guy got 18 months. Um, this guy's going to get 12 or 18 and, you know, they're going to truthfully, they've already been in the can for four or five months. I mean, did, I guarantee you the judge is going to be like, Hey, I'm you know served. What? Yeah. Either time served or I'm going to recommend strongly that, that, um, the feds give you, give you, um, supervised, um, release. Right. So again, Still waiting on that insurrection charge. Still waiting on that treason charge. Still waiting on the conspiracy to overthrow the United States government charge. I mean, I don't mean to be fey about it, but we're coming up on the eight-month anniversary of this thing. Mm -hmm. um, they executed everybody involved in the Lincoln assassination less than a month after he got shot. So I'm just, just, just pointing out comparison purposes, that's all. Historical perspective is always good. It's yeah, always man. good. All right. Uh, switching back to taxes uh, and tangentially the re um, reconciliation pay fors, but also taxes in general. Um, the first is, and I, I just thought you'd appreciate this. Um, Max is back. Thanks, Boo. Not Max Boo. Max Bacchus. Former United States Senator from Montana. He's presided he's over the, I believe he presided, did he, was he the, uh, the, the finance uh, chairman during Obamacare? Yeah. Yeah. That's our boy. Our boy Max, who, uh, as we all like to point out, ran as a hardcore conservative in year six of, <laughs> of his six-year term, <laughs> and then reverted to one of the most liberal voting senators in the United States Senate, although by today's standards, he'd be a moderate. Um, More importantly, he used to have his own, he used to have one of his staffers walk his dog. Yes. Think about that job for a second. How do you put that on the resume? Personal aid to. <laughs> <laughs> Personal aid to the senator's dog. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. All right. Well, I just, I, he, he's weighing in on elimination of the stepped up basis. He's opposed. Pay for. He is opposed. Of course he's opposed. Protecting his farmers and ranchers. Yeah, I'm sure that's what he's worried about, not yes. his own children. Yes, he, he, he's worried about his farmers. During his career, I was honored to represent the interests of America's family, farmers and ranchers. As part of a fourth generation rancher, ranch family myself, ranch family, not a rancher. <laughs> I understand how these businesses help feed America and the unique challenges they face, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, so I'm not sure whose payroll he's on, but I'm sure it's his own. I'm sure it's his own stuff. I'm sure that ranch is probably worth a bunch of money and he wants his kids or his nieces or nephews or whatever to make sure that, you know, they inherit it without getting the stepped up basis. I'm grateful but I'm a little concerned about like, is it okay to tax the rest of us then Max? Or should our, should our family businesses be okay to get, you know, get chunked out of, or is it just the ranchers you care about? Right. I, I. But he's not the only one who feels this way. John Tester. Democrat. John More than a dozen Democratic representatives from farm districts led by rep Cindy Ax. Axne, Axne, I don't even know how to pronounce that. It's Axe Spray. She, she's the founder of the Axne <laughs> sent a letter in May to the uh, to Pelosi, Hoyer et al., Neil, urging them to reconsider plans. So this pay for is gone. Yeah. 
Best I'm not I'm not giving Max the credit for it, but to your point, this one's pretty much gone. That's right. It's toast. It it, it there, there there are no pay fors. The only pay for that might survive is bopping the corporate tax right up to twenty five percent. Even 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 getting rid of stuff like the intangible drilling costs is probably gone too, right? It it it, yeah, turns well. out, it's turn, it turns out it's hard to raise taxes when you you know when you hold a really thin majority because any one person could be like, yeah, I don't like that one. I don't like that one. So yeah. that's it. No, I'm not gonna do. It. No, no, I'm not saying a word. And, you know, <laughs> I don't know who that guy is. <laughs> and that's you know, and the, so that's how the corporate tax rate you know maybe goes up to twenty five percent but if you look at the number that only raises about 40 billion dollars inside the window i mean hell that's barely worth doing um they're not going to do capital gains right you know um i wrote this in a column and i you know a friend of mine who shall remain nameless because i'd get him in trouble if i said who um pointed out that in 19 of the 20 um zip codes that 19 of the 20 zip codes that uh, most access capital gains um, tax provisions, 19 of those 20 zips are in Democratic congressional districts. Yep. Right? It's like capital gains tax. That's some Democrats pay nowadays. That's not right. Some Republicans pay. No, no. I mean, this is and, and, out, right. Yeah. And, and, but it also points out uh, points to the changing nature of the, who, who is and who isn't a Democrat and a Republican. Sure. Man. Right? I mean, we're going to wash this whole notion that uh, Republicans care about big business is going to be washed out of that whole conversation in the next, if not this election, certainly the next national yeah. election. Well, I mean, the, the so. guy, the guy who's holding the line on the corporate tax rate of twenty five percent is your boyfriend there, Joe Manchin, right? <laughs> he, he's the guy who said, "I'm not going higher than twenty five percent." All the Republicans are like, "Yeah, do what you want. I don't care." Right. Um, and the capital, like I said, capital gains—that's something paid by Democrats now. That's why the Democrats themselves killed it, and you the stepped up basis. Now you know, it, interesting, right? There are, of course, no farm Democrats left anymore, right? And when was the last time you saw a Democrat on a farm? But can't represent these big empty states, you know, without without at least towing the party line sometimes. And it's interesting. The first guy to come out opposed to that stepped up basis was John Tester. He's like, yeah, we're not doing that. I was like, what? You mean you actually don't like John? Yeah. So he, but John Tester, thank you for bringing him up because he he did study. He 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 did study Max Bacchus. Uh, he's a very good he's a very good Max Bacchus clone when it comes to representing his state, yeah, no, which makes me makes me sad. It's a it's it's terrible and it's sad. Yeah, I was gonna say these states are are un, un, uh, states that are uh, like. Should be should be getting should, should have much better representation and 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 their senators, and that's the other thing. And then and then of course, if you want to get in history here, um, the Senate was the institution that was supposed to safeguard, well, ferociously safeguard the rights of that particular state. Yeah, over the over the whims of the mob, right? Yeah, well, that, that was that was back when senators got elected by state legislators. You know, it doesn't happen anymore. Let me just. Let me throw two thoughts on top of this that, that now that you brought up senators, you might, you know, might be worth talking about. One is, you know, let's finish the tax conversation. Part of the reason why a carbon tax is remains a possibility is because a bunch of Democrats look at it and go, you know what? Who uses more gasoline? Who uses more natural gas? 
Um, and the answer is folks in the big empties, right? The Republican states. Um, you know, if you're if you're Ed Markey, carbon tax is a much less damaging um, operation for you than if you are uh, Ted Cruz or even if you're John Tester in Montana, right? Um, so especially places like Montana, North Dakota, right, where you're you're trying to keep warm a lot. So the carbon tax is is a good example of what we're talking about with the changing parties, right? Um, you know, 20 years ago, Democrats would have never been in favor of carbon tax. Um, you know, bad mojo all the way around. That's the thing one. Thing two is- Well, uh, uh, but 20 years ago was B, I mean, wasn't that BTU? 30, 30 years ago was BTU? God, that, oh my God, I'm so old. <laughs> yeah, so am I. So am I. That's it's, horrible. It, it's <laughs> the other thing is, is guys like John Tester are products of the filibuster, right? If we did not have a filibuster, we would not have John Tester because guys like him would not be able, we would not have Sherrod Brown. Um, you know, those guys, guys who are, guys who are um, Democratic senators sitting in Republican states would not be able to hide. They would have to take votes on things. Um, I'm, I'm conflicted on whether to get rid of the filibuster or not, to be honest with you. Um, but I know it protects guys like that. Yeah, I mean, we, the filibuster is 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 a constant uh, theme of these uh, of these podcasts because it is a fascinating, you know, uh, conversation. You and me have mixed feelings about it. We're still yeah. we're still not sure in our own head whether yeah. we're in favor of it or opposed to it. So, uh, one other quick tax bullet. Um, you you actually you actually hunted this one down. Uh, some of our friends uh, were ecstatic ecstatic about the fact that uh, Colorado governor Jared Polis came out and said that we need to get rid of the, the state income tax in 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 the lovely uh, golden state yeah. um, of course there was a little bit of fine print there that <laughs> was even included in the in the praise but seemed was seemingly overlooked um, Polis Polis said so if we can move away from taxing income which is something that you don't want to discourage because we want everybody to make income we want companies to make income that's a great thing to basing it on taxing pollution or carbon or something that we fundamentally don't want you'll have a more pro-growth tax tax structure that gets the right incentives in place to help grow and what you want to grow and penalize things that are negative externalities so yeah, it, that was like a big chunk of the of the yes. excerpt that was included in this praise for Polis. I don't understand where that came from. So it's important to realize that we are surrounded by economists, um, which means you know, yeah, they're like, yeah, you know, let if if, if you t if you looked at an economist and said, hey, I'll get rid of income tax, but I'm going to tax carbon, they'd be like, sure, that's great, and they don't get that. That nobody thinks for ten seconds like. Okay, A, that's an incredibly terrible and regressive tax on all human activity, right? Not just getting paid. It's, it's, it's a tax on all human activity. Um, and two is, you want to talk about something that'll grow over time? The income tax is tough to grow because everybody gets income and every, it's obvious. Carbon tax might be, a little, might be a little easier to grow over time, right? Well, you, it's a, it's a, you can notch it up a penny at a time, unlike yeah. an income tax, which you've got to take in half, half percent increments, right? It's a VAT, right? It's a VAT. And what do we know about sales taxes? 
Anybody who's ever had a sales tax, it grows over time. It never goes away. So, so to all my friends out there who are economists or aspiring economists, try not to fall in love with guys like Jared Polis, right? Because you're going to wind up um, taking it in chops. But you also um, you also have to take into consideration the context. He was uh, in a, on a panel with Art Laffer. I know. Who's right. in favor of a carbon tax? Who is a pro-carbon taxer? Because so. you know, because he's part of that terrible cabal of of California Republicans who are like, "Hey, we really wish the world was like it was in 1971." And you know what? It ain't. Move yeah. along. Move along. Speaking of members of the cabal, not quite the cabal that you described, but the the pro-carbon taxer cabal. Is a different one. The conservative carbon taxer cabal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was a recent tweet um, that came over the transit from one of uh, someone we know pretty well. Yeah. You want to set it up? <laughs> former chairman, former FERC chairman, Neil Chatterjee joined the Americans for a Carbon Dividend, but a more accurate in the climate. Leadership Council, Carbon Leadership Council, whatever, Climate Leadership Council. Um, Americans for Carbon Dividend might as well be called Americans Against America, um, but I guess that would be too, too, too much. Um, yeah, he's going to join Alex Flint in getting people to introduce the Rube Goldberg device where they take all of our money and they give some of it back to other people and some of it back to us and they keep some of it and you know, that's all supposed to help climate change and it's going to work. And I know because Alex has been working on it for five years and he's got legislation introduced and every year it gets more votes. It, no, wait, no, wait a minute. Hold on no, for a second. Wait, wait a minute. Uh, it, it, strike that. Reverse it. Strike. Reverse. Um, it has, in fact, never been introduced by anybody because you can't write this legislation. It's incomprehensible to even explain, let alone try to reduce the words on yeah. paper. So, uh, you know, the, the op-ed guy for the journal, uh, Holman, Jenkins, Holman? Holman Jenkins, he's a carbon taxer too. He is a carbon taxer. But the interesting, about, interesting thing about him is that he, is, uh, he wants to completely divorce it from the conversation about climate change. He just wants to use it as a money raiser. That's exactly right. Like That's the stupidest he, thing I've ever heard. He, he, he is convinced that uh, tying it to the environment is actually hurt the case for a carbon tax. So, uh, and he's, he's looking at it purely from the perspective of, I want to eliminate the corporate income tax. We have to make up that money somewhere else. Let's tax yeah. carbon. That's his shtick. Here's a different answer. Why don't we just spend less money at the government and then we can eliminate the car the corporate tax? I, I, it, I'm with you. I'm just I'm just saying. You know, I, I'm just saying. I mean, I get it. I, I get it. All these guys go to college and they learn a whole bunch of stuff and they're super smart and they get these good jobs and they're idiots. It's just like they're incapable of thinking their way through a problem. I'm very grateful. I'm very glad Neil's working. I, I think it's great that he's He's got himself an anchor client right over at Hogan. Um, the announcement was, hey, I'm going to bring, you know, I think, I don't know if Neil said this or Hogan said it or, or Alex said it, somebody said it, that he was going to bring Republicans to a carbon tax. 
He's going to rally Republican support for a carbon tax. And I thought for a second, you know what, if that's true, if, 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 if he has that capability, he's probably wasting his life in a, in a, in a law firm and he should hang out his own shingle because if he can get the Republicans to overcome 50 years of resistance to taxation and 25 or 30 years of resistance to harebrained climate schemes, their people pay him a lot of money. Their people pay him a lot of money. I'm looking forward to having the, the new contestant on the field. I'm very excited, like Neil a lot. Um, obviously think he's wrong about this. Um, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to writing a column shortly um, saying that in the absence of any alternative explanation, I'm going to assume that Senator McConnell is now in favor of a carbon tax since his chief former energy person um, is. Uh, so I, I'll read the, uh, the exact uh, tweet. Oh, I am also proud to announce that I'll be joining the climate leadership at Climate LC and, and AFC Dividends to help bring Republicans to the table in support of a lasting and effective climate solution. It, that's the <laughs> verbatim, so. That's beautiful. That's just beautiful. We wish you luck, Neil. Uh, no, I wish him luck. I, no, I, no, I, we, we wish, wait, what do we wish him? Welcome to the, welcome to the, welcome. Welcome to the brawl. Welcome to Good the, luck. welcome to the um, private sector. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I, I, right, I, wish, um, I wish him professional luck, but I hope and I hope the American for Carbon dividends continue to fail. I mean, right, right. and it's a good bet that they will because they have been for five years now. So, yeah. Okay. So, um, speaking of Twitter and existential threats, um, there was an interesting thread by um, that was somebody popped it over to me as some UK dude. Um, and this is the amazing thing about Twitter is like you can just be like some random dude and your, your Twitter feed ends up in someone else's post. And then they talk about it on a podcast, but um, he said he was in a focus group when asked uh, how they thought we should pay for the cost of tackling climate change. The immediate and sincere response was to cut MPs pay. <laughs> the second time in recent months that I've had that response. And it worries me in two ways. Um, I'm trying to roll through this quickly. First, we have allowed perceptions of MPs' level of pay and their greed to run so out of line with reality. Defending politicians is rarely in anyone's interest, but it's clear press coverage, populist attacks have created a sense that MPs are being paid way more than they should, blah, blah, blah. Secondly, even with inflated salaries, the cost of transition, this is the funny part, the cost of transition to net, to net zero is seen as something that could be paid by cutting the pay of a few hundred people. Shows that when it comes to expectations management, Nowhere, we are nowhere near having explained the scale of reaching net zero. Um, and obviously the two strongly interlink when you don't have faith in policymakers and politicians making decisions, you're far less likely to embrace their solutions slash calls for major societal change. That All that's true, I think. It, it, it turns out if you think people are idiots, you're not going to follow them. Yeah. Like I just thought, because given all our work, given all the stuff we've done on this, it would be so much, you know what, it, forget Americans for carbon dividends. Maybe that's what they should rebrand themselves as Americans to cut congressmen's pay. <laughs> I know. Meanwhile, they, uh, Nancy raised the staff cap, the staff cap to yeah. set the stage for a, sal a salary increase uh, for the, for the members themselves. So 
Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm not opposed to that. I'm not opposed to that. I mean, I, you know, members members have to have to um, don't have to, but keep you know, in a lot of cases, members keep two homes and they're trying to live in two places, and we're paying them 175 thousand bucks a year. Well, I mean, let's. I mean, you know, we want, we want most of them come in uh, either already wealthy or if they're not, they end up being famously wealthy on that very small salary. Yeah, and, so and, yeah, there's something else going on there, right? Like, well, but I guess that's what concerns me, right? Is that is that here's what we got, right? On the left, you have people who are you know sandal wearing hippies who become members of Congress and stay for 500 years because it's the best job they're ever going to get, right? Uh, you're talking about Bernie? Come on. I was talking about Martin Heinrich, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> Bernie became a member of Congress pretty late in life after he already made his millions, um, which I'm sure he gave away. Um, yes, because that's what socialists do. Right. And there's no such thing as a socialist, as I've mentioned before. Um, on our side, you wind up with people either very early in the careers or late in a career, right? Actually, after they made money, right? There aren't a lot of guys in the middle of their careers who have done something other than politics. I think if we, if we, if we paid these guys like 300,000 bucks, we'd get some mid-career guys. Right now, we don't have any mid-career guys. And that always worries me because we have professional politicians and you have retirees. And that's not a, that is not a healthy mix. Yeah, that's true. Has not, and you, know, you, you and I both know guys that we could put into either of those camps, and you're like, okay, that that story has no happy ending, right? I mean, I I guess what I'm thinking is I'd like a guy who's like, you know, a partner in a firm in Omaha to wake up one morning and say, you know what, I'm 47 years old. I go to Congress for six, seven years, and it wouldn't kill me, you know, and have that guy be able to do that. Well, and honestly, like that's kind of how it was supposed to be. Yeah, that's exactly how it was supposed to be. And it's okay. kind of how it was for a long time, especially with the House of Representatives. But, you know, that's been out the window for as long as long as we've been here. So e either that or make longer. it a part either that or make it a part time gig. Not a yeah, I yeah. Um, or move the capital somewhere, move capital somewhere normal. Yeah, so, that would be good. You know, we're we're a second house, we're a second place, an apartment, whatever wouldn't cost so so much, right? Well, ultimately, it would end up costing that much. Great, move the capital one, again. Yeah. Move the capital again. Just keep moving it, depending on what the rent is every year. I like that. I, I, I tell you, that would be an interesting thought experiment. Could you move the capital like every six years? Just move it somewhere else. Okay, uh, rapid fire. You ready? Sure. Bloomberg.com. This is a little bit older now. A um, little bit. Uh, California to build temporary gas plants to avoid blackouts. <laughs> yeah, man. I saw that. I saw that. Pop this up, was a pop Bloomberg up. hit uh, a couple weeks ago. Like I said, state has resisted efforts to expand natural gas-based power. Governor declared state of emergency. This is a. This is for our segue, by the way. California has is in the process of procuring five temporary gas fuel generators that have individual capacity of 30 megawatts, said BWR yeah. spokesman Ryan Indeen. The units will be installed at existing power plants and are expected to be operating by the middle of September. Yeah, can I ask a question? You can. What's a temporary natural gas generator? <laughs> That's a really good question. It, it's what you have to say if you... Work for the state of California because you could not possibly say that it's a permanent natural gas plant, right? We're just installing these things. We're hooking them up yeah. in our run all the time. That's just it. Thanks. 
right it it yeah i saw that it was fun it was fun I, i'm a little surprised they didn't get temporary wind turbines put them to, put i know them. why don't they that's the future why don't we just skip the past and then go straight to the future i'm pretty sure i was told that those are cheaper too so i don't can we yeah i don't understand the problem what's I, what's the issue you know if i had a bunch of money i would seriously sue somebody about that i'd be like hey there's got to be some statute that requires these guys to like you know use lowest cost energy or uh, consistent with reliable blah 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 just sue them say hey man i've been told wind power cheaper than natural gas why do we go like get 150 um megawatts of natural gas here's here's the uh here's the attempt at a hedge yeah governor newsom's emergency proclamation makes it very clear that all of our energy agencies have to act immediately to achieve energy stability during this emergency as well as accelerating plans for the construction procurement and rapid deployment of new clean energy and storage projects. <laughs> Which one do you think they're going to do first? <laughs> I, I, I just, <laughs> These guys, man, I'll tell you, it's, it's just crazy. You know what? It, it, I love this country because freedom of speech means you can call people out all the time on stuff like this. How grown people can like send that stuff out with straight faces, I have no idea. And, and I think I, re, I think I read that Bloomberg story, which was pretty skeptical about the back end of that part. They're just like, hey, they're putting in gas generators, right? Um, it, it's so. Gavin Newsom is a is a terrible person, and California is full of people who apparently have trouble just saying, you know what, two plus two equals four. Sky's blue, night's dark. Just simple truth, right? This thing isn't working. Move along. Thank you for the segue. Uh, I'm going to play a quick, quick clip here from back in the back in the 30s, back in the day when uh, Gavin was um, Governor Gavin was uh, rising, a rising star, the mayor of San Francisco. You ready? Sure. It's good to see you. Let me start by asking you, where have you been? Five hundred and twenty-two point two million dollar shortfall. Last year we had a five hundred seventy. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hey, I'm, I'm here to talk about tomorrow, today, and tomorrow. Now, yesterday I've been working my tail off. I've been out. I think I had sixty-nine public events in the last two and a half weeks. You know, I heard so you say that on the radio on. today, yeah. and then I asked your staff, "Well, where's the printout? Where are these events?" And and your press person said, "Well, this is stuff he just." goes to yeah, these are all public events right. yeah so but but look you know the criticism that you have been dodging not just the press but also the public that you have been sulking after dropping out of the governor's race that you're having a temper tantrum what do you want to say about it <laughs> i want to say that uh, i've been working my tail out i've been here uh focused in san francisco i think i was gone two days out of the city in the last three weeks we've done 69 public events i've been as engaged or more engaged than ever uh, I don't read the press. Uh, it is comical, some of the things that have been written. So the cartoon in the Chronicle that depicted you as a crying baby, uh, <laughs> a headline, Mayor, Mayor, off the wall. You didn't see that? No. You didn't see that? <laughs> Who reads that stuff? I don't read that stuff. I focus on work. I focus on getting things done. You know, it's not just the press. 
though, that you've been absent from? I mean, I have a list of the events that you have missed. Which ones? Well, you want a few. Uh, the Urban Land Institute. You were scheduled to speak before 6,000 people. I had the flu that week. The China SF Conference that was also there. They were counting on you. The Silver Spur Awards <laughs> Luncheon. <laughs> that was the only one I missed that I actually knew about. No, I took 2,000 people. After I, you, yeah, I think the you're, you're focused on the spur. I actually wish I had made. I was sick as a dog. And uh, it was on a Monday and uh, it was so, gone for three days. Some of your staff members have left. Yeah, as I said, uh, I've made a lot of changes here. Uh, you went to Hawaii. For how did, long? Didn't tell your own press secretary. He was blindsided. Right. Had, had to go out and tell the reporters, well, he's under the weather. Didn't know his own boss was on a plane to Hawaii. Uh, was blindsided. These are people who work for you 15, 16 hours a day. <laughs> like, <laughs> I found it. I, I someone sent this to me like shortly after we played the segment from the B. Remember when he was ranting about Florida and Texas and they were yeah. number one and everything. So they were like, oh, there's there's plenty of these. You just got to keep digging. So um, this was an interview when from the uh, back when he was mayor. And that was uh, just another example of like. I, I, I'm 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 so upset right now because just two days ago, because I did not I had not been following the tracking polls last week. Just a few days ago, I was expressing to a friend of, of ours who works at Heritage that I was I had absolute confidence that he was going to get recalled and it wasn't really going to be like super close. Yeah. Right. And then I pulled 538 up and they've They've made up, not only have they made up ground, but the spread is now like 8.4 is what the spread is to keep him as yeah. of yesterday. Yeah. So they've swung, they've, they've swung this after all that enthusiasm on the one side, they've swung this around in a week and a couple of days. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty skeptical of some of the polling that's going on in this campaign. Right. I'll give you just one example, PIPIC, right? The Public Policy Institute of California. Yeah, that's the one that the big, big swing, 19. Yeah, they should have put a 19 point swing uh, to, yeah. uh, for keeping Gavin in, in that poll. They, they shouldn't have put that thing out. So they interviewed, they interviewed 1,700 and some odd adults. And out of that crew, they, they identified 1,085 likely voters, 1,086 likely voters, right? Some of it was panel backs, right? The, like 600 people had already answered a survey. They didn't identify who those guys were in the survey results they announced. They didn't identify how they how they um how they identified the likely voters. They didn't identify how many Democrats there were versus how many Republicans or how many independents. I mean, it I read the results and I'm like, there's a bunch of contrary numbers in here. We've got 16 among families with children, among voters who have kids at the household, you know, California's wrong track is 55, right track's 39. And yet two questions later, they're like, yeah, but I, I don't support the recall. So you're like, dude, that's a, that's a red flag right there as far as doing your work on a survey, right? Um, you know, it, it, there's just a bunch of things about that survey that I, that I thought that's odd. And there's just a whole bunch of things about all these surveys that are odd, right? Because if you, um, you know, you, public opinion does not work like that. You do not wind up with um, great big giant swings. Yeah, I'm this the whole, but that was why I was so shocked because I've never seen this close to a, uh, the end of a campaign big, that swift of a swing. 
Yeah, and and that's what I'm telling. I mean, you. Even the Hillary Weiner stuff, you know, didn't do that, yeah. right? The, the everything was trending in that direction already. Right, and that's what I'm telling you is is that I'm pretty confident that um that the that you're getting a bunch you're getting you're getting a healthy dose of propaganda along with those surveys, right? Um, you know, it it is he going to win? It, you know, is recall going to be rejected? I don't know. Um, I don't think well, we so. made predictions last week, didn't we? We last did episode. two two weeks ago now. Yeah, I, I, we did, and and I think I I think we're stuck with them now. Um, but I look at it like it's unlikely that it's going to be as as um, as dispositive an answer as those surveys would indicate. Right? It's much more likely that we're going to wind up with a close answer one way or the other. And, and that's um, and, and we probably won't know on quote unquote election night, right? Seems unlikely given California's um, competence and other things. The other thing none of those surveys did was they didn't have any voter intensity, right? There's a difference between a likely voter and an intense voter, and you know, Pippic thing had none of that. So mm. I, I'm. So the other dad, the other thing that struck me was the um, Survey USA guys had uh, the the big shock poll back in early August, two and four, um, a small sample size, but they had uh, a big swing in remove. They're also the ones, that was the poll that also said that, that the Democrat social influencer was slightly ahead of Larry Elder. Uh, their, their most recent survey, um, not quite a thousand likely voters, like 816, it says 5143 to keep. So plus eight to keep, right? Yeah, that, 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 so Survey USA, you guys who use the robocalls that you punch a number in, right. um, which usually is pretty pretty reliable, but you get a stinker every once in a while. It, well, I mean, it, it's either I, a coincidence that it's the stinker every once in a while, or it's consistent with the other ones. So it, it's hard to say, right? The, the other thing, the other piece of information that's odd is it's Soros, right? George Soros just stroked out a million bucks for um just stroked out a million bucks for for uh for newsom right for the for the no recall thing um if you're really up by 10 points with uh with 10 days left to go you you a guy like soros doesn't give you 10 million bucks right 10 million he gave him i'm sorry a million bucks okay um you know that well, i mean if you're if you're that confident that you're ahead then you don't want the baggage of the soros but well it's not that so much it's just they look at you eh, you know what you're fine go, you know go on to the next problem yeah yeah so i, I view that as a counter indicator to the surveys well i hope you're right i was like a little i was floored but i, I do still think that the voter intensity um is is obviously but it, it's just a numbers game in california right? that's right we're gonna, we're gonna wind up with low, we're gonna wind up with low turnout and you're trying to guess who who is the turnout right and yeah. that's what makes it so weird so but i do uh, i will put um in the show notes the epic takedown of gavin newsom that you found <laughs> that you sent over the other day oh yeah the um the washington examiner yeah yeah wow that thing was a that thing was a just a just a fire bell in the night man it was it was it was everything that's terrible about california in about 800 words it was it was impressive i was impressed yeah um i'm trying to find it that wasn't it's not at the top of my uh 
It's one of those things. It's one of those things you see it and you're like, damn it, I should have written that myself. Yeah, I'll throw it in the notes. Um, one thing, one quick thing on um, the uh, whole Texas abortion thing. Yeah. Is this, uh, is this an attempt to try and overturn Roe? Texas? Not really. It's an attempt to circumvent it more than overturn it. The Mississippi thing coming in October is more of a, a direct challenge to it. And that's why the court said, yeah, okay, well, you know, we'll let this go because they know that they know the Mississippi thing's on the docket next okay. month. That, that, thank you for that. Cause I was trying to figure out, I mean, um, I was trying to, I'm trying to figure out like from a politics perspective, first of all, I'm thrilled at the thing. It's, it's wonderful, but uh, I'm just trying to figure out how this plays into the politics of Roe. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, we're going to, we're going to have, we're going to have the Supreme Court's going to hear that thing in October, probably rule on it. I don't know, February, March, something like that. So it'll be part of the 2022 canvas. Um, it's not going to matter except in a handful of races, right? Um, it, it at this point, at this point, everybody's already picked their sides. You know, it's it's you, you you're not going to have a bunch of you're not going to have a, a bunch of moderate Republicans are not going to be like, oh my God, I, you know. I'm going to vote against Ted Cruz because he's, you know, in favor of this. They're going to be like, yeah. they're going to vote against him anyway, right? It, yeah. it, it, it is indicative of the changing um, party, right? Yeah. So, so most of the survey stuff, and most of the from, I was going to say from last cycle, but I could just say from 20 years ago, right? You ask people, most important issue, right? Abortion winds up at 3%, 2%, 3%, right? And the break on that has been for a long time 90 10 republicans democrats right all right obviously that's going to change right abortion will bump up to seven or eight percent and the break probably looks more 50 50 ish but what i'm telling you is if if you previously thought healthcare was the most important issue and voted for democrats you were not going to wake up one morning and be all that much more energized by this just, you know it's it's going to be a thing um after a couple of years, it's going to be fought out at the state levels, and we'll have we'll have what we should have had, a, a coherent democratic, yes, you know, uh, discussion about it instead of having it be made by 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 um, nine yeah. white guys, nine, nine people in a row. Yeah. No, so I th I feel like all not just people, nine males, right? Because I, I you know I hate it. I hate it when that gets used against me. So I always want to use it against the other guys. Um, and, you know, Ginsburg was right about this, right? It would have been better if we just worked it out democratically. Yeah. France is a good example. I was at dinner recently with some French people, and they were tutting me about Mississippi. Uh, Mississippi law, 15 weeks. Um, I believe it has exceptions for rape or incest, right? The French people were like, you know, if, if Roe gets overturned, it's anachronism. It's this, it's that, it's the other thing. I said, what are you guys talking about? Abortion's illegal in France after 12 weeks. Mm -hmm. and they didn't know. And the exception, the exception is for rape and incest, but you got to have health of the mother. You have two doctors sign the health of the mother, right? So I'm like, that's much more prescriptive than Mississippi. But they just didn't know, right? And that's the that's the thing, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, um, um, and the thing that people haven't thought about is 
what does it do to the Catholics who vote Democratic, right? You know. It, well, no, no, no. The, this this was the this this line I laughed out loud after you, somebody wrote this. Biden orders whole of government effort to shore up abortion rights in Texas after Supreme Court ruling. <laughs> to which a good friend of mine forwarded the article <laughs> with the with the comment. Then he said a quick rosary. <laughs> I, I couldn't resist because I mean that oh, was just so good. Thank I you. Mean, you know, Biden was like just going bananas, you know, defend a woman's right, blah, 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 you know, bang. and I'm just like, dude, you sound like Cecile Richards, for God's sake. Yeah. And, you know, I'm like, I'm going to remember this next time he pulls out that, 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 that rosary that he carries around as, you know, an emulet. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's going to really cut all kinds of different ways in politics. And I'm not sure anybody really knows how yet. Yeah. And I mean, the, there's the, you know, obviously we're both pro-life and, and that's where, you know, but it, a lot of this to me is sort of the state sorting out the updating what a, a viable human being is, right? Like take away the religious side, right? Yeah. Like, is it this, this many, you know, it, that's what it's supposed to be, right? The states are, are supposed to do that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. To sort it out. I mean, ultimately, I'd like it to be a certain, a, a certain place in, in the queue. But this is the party of science. Uh, yeah. This well, is the party well, of science. Um, what, um, what, you know? It, it, you, I mean, you know the racket there, right? You're the party of science when it, when it agrees with you, you know, and not when it doesn't. Anyway, I'm, I'm looking forward to, like I said, what's going to be a 10-year process here where the states sort themselves on the basis of what they want to do. Exactly. And, and, and I think that's going to be healthy for all of us. Yes. And, uh, you, know, you said it much more uh, artfully than I did. So I remain a big champion of the legislative process. I, I think our problem is... We need more of it, not less of it. Absolutely. Uh, I did find the article while we were chatting. Uh, it is an editorial from the Washington Examiner. Yeah. So, and it was recall Gavin Newsom and save the whole country. <laughs> <laughs> I recommend, I can't recommend it. It is really good. It's a great read. Yeah. Um, my favorite uh, though is the, where is it? It's the line uh, about the, well, it's the line, of, of course, it's the line about the French laundry, so. Uh, but, well, yeah, it, it, it okay. It said it, it, it was right at the top. It's right in the first paragraph, first or second paragraph. It says, Hey, man, before before French Laundry, they had like 50,000 signatures on recall after French, you know, the 10 days after that, you know, they had like millions. It, it's a uh, they did some homework on it. Yeah, it was very well done. So we'll get that in the show notes for sure. Yeah. Um, um, okay, so I got a, a, a clip from one of Biden's pressers, and I don't know if you noticed this, but this is not like a one-off. So here it is. Ladies and gentlemen, I gave me a list here. <laughs> the first person I was instructed to call on was Kelly O'Donnell, NBC. <clears throat> you have... Yeah. I don't even need to play the rest of the clip. I just, that's the part that like, can't even fake it anymore. Can't even fake it anymore. Well, it it, it um 
if the White House Correspondents Association was a legitimate operation, they would insist that that the calls become you know become random, you know, or or that they make the decision about who's going to call in what order. Or that uh, you think Donald Trump was handed a list of which reporters he, he should speak to? <laughs> I would have I would have very much liked to meet the person who handed him that list. You know, uh, the media really is they're just laughable because they he was probably in terms of who how you want access to your president as a reporter yeah yeah but there will never be anyone who, who has given more access yeah. to, to it, his his thought his or her thought process than donald trump it was it was completely routine completely routine to have the press stack up um at the press secretary's office and have the boss like walk over and just talk to him like you know, like, hey, it's a regular old day here in America. You know, what do you have in mind kind of thing? I mean, what not on camera, right? But just questions. What do you got? What do you want to talk about? Um, he wasn't afraid of anything, right? And that's the important thing. And and he wasn't afraid, so the crew wasn't afraid. Like, okay, he's not afraid. F it, I'm not afraid. Let's just, let's just do stuff, right? And, 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 and I'm, that's what I worry about with the Biden administration, right? He is a slow-moving slow and slower moving person who's afraid of a lot of stuff and that's the way the administration's going to ultimately wind up being and that's not that's probably not healthy for them or us right yeah uh, i mean if you're trying to fake it till you make it um you got to have your wits about you imposter syndrome and if you can't uh if you don't have your wits about you it gets harder and harder to fake it till you make it um you mentioned fear yes segue uh Rahm Emanuel's in a little hot water, I see. He's going to be the ambassador to Japan, which I... the uh, uh, This is also from the Examiner. Um, apparently dropping nuclear bombs on Japan is not enough. We're now setting <laughs> our, use, our useless politicians. Rahm Emanuel becomes latest Biden nominee to divide Democrats. Yeah. Rahm Emanuel, blah, 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 is the latest nominee uh, waiting confirmation to divide Democrats. New York Democrat rep Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez slammed the selection of Emmanuel, the former mayor of Chicago, to represent the United States in Japan and urged the Senate not to confirm him. Oh, let's see. The Biden administration seeks to reward Emmanuel with an ambassadorship is an embarrassment and betrayal of the values we seek to uphold, both within our nation and around the world, Ocasio-Cortez said in a statement. On Wednesday, I urged the Senate to vote no on his confirmation. Yeah. No on his confirmation. It, you know, it's pointed, it's pointed at one guy and one guy only. Of course. So, so you, if I were, if I were that guy, I would basically like move him up. Right. I don't, I don't, I particularly, I don't want Rom to be the ambassador. He shouldn't be rewarded for anything, quite honestly. But, if I were Schumer, this is one where I could be like, I could punch back, right, pretty easily. So I, it'll be interesting to see how this thing goes. Because he's not going. You know, Twitter when they changed their character limit to a hundred, you know, when they doubled their character limit, <laughs> it was the worst thing they could have done because they've empowered these people. <laughs> like, oh, she just sends a tweet. And she sends the majority leader hiding in a closet. I mean, yeah, he didn't. Say, yeah, and he didn't say anything back. I would have said, "Look, 
I appreciate the input. Call me when you get to the United States Senate and we'll take it. Exactly. Like, um, this is this is this this will be funny to watch. It, it's she's gonna primary him. I don't know. I'm not quite there yet, but I, I'm almost certain she's gonna primary him because she's got no else, she's got no other place to go. Can't go in, she can't go in her house. She's either gonna primary him. She's gonna think about running for speaker in the house after Nancy Pelosi's done with it. She, she, she's not going to be content to sit there and be a junior backbencher indefinitely. Yeah, but I just, uh, I don't know. Her battles are sometimes uh, interesting. And, and I think they're epic. I'm really, you know, I, no, I, I know she's your girlfriend, just like Manchin's my boyfriend. So I just, look, what I like about her is what I like about cinema. She has a sense of other people's weakness and is not afraid to push it. Right. She knows that Schumer's afraid of her, so she does stuff like this. I like it. I wish we had more people on the Republican side who did this stuff. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. You know, if this was a Republican, they would have sent out somebody would have sent out some hysterical press release about how Rom like raised taxes or something, and nobody you know, cared about. <laughs> and and this is terrible. Like, bad, 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 bad. By the end of the press release, you'd be like, I have no idea. Can't what tell I'm whether doing. he endorsed them or right, he's exactly. against them, right? No idea what I'm there is. That. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, in a rare, uh, in a, in a rare moment of candor, Circleback uh, made a made a statement about uh, COVID that I'd like to share with folks. Is, it, is this our is this our closing note of the show? I I believe it could be, but okay. I have a closing song though that I'd like to finish. Okay. I want to I want to say something before before you go to your closing thing. Something happened in 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 the last two weeks that I think are is is very very bad concerns me very greatly um and and it got almost no notice and that is alex berenson got suspended by twitter now for those of you who pay no attention to the world and don't know who alex berenson is he's a former new york times reporter and he has written extensively almost exclusively on the covid um deal for a year and a half now and he's been wrong a lot of times and he's been right a lot of times and i don't even care he got suspended for Twitter for saying the following two things, three things. He said, look, he said, the vaccine does not prevent transmission. The vaccine does not seem to prevent infection. Therefore, it cannot be considered a vaccine. It is a therapeutic. For those three sentences, he got suspended from Twitter indefinitely, right? Okay. And I've said this before, I'll say it again. I'm not a COVID warrior. I think in this case, he's right, but it doesn't matter whether he's right or wrong in this instance. What matters is, is that every single one of those things is defensible, right? And he defended it. I'm coming to the conclusion that we are going to have to do something about these platforms, something substantial. We now have a situation where the president of the United States, a former president of the United States, um, is suspended on Twitter, but the Taliban's in. Yeah, we have a, a circumstance where a New York Times reporter, not one of our ideological running mates, he's not a you know not a Republican, he's not a conservative, just been writing about this stuff, tells the truth about something, right? A, a truth, by the way, the CDC acknowledges that it doesn't prevent transmission, it doesn't prevent infection. You know, the only thing we're barking about is whether it's a vaccine or a therapeutic. Oh, okay, um, and gets banned for it. That's out of bounds. Anyway, that's all. I just want to. No, no, I, you know, it, 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 every, 
Uh, there's a lot that's out of bounds with this issue. This issue is has created um, the the somehow created the ability for governments to go out of bounds in terms of uh, you know violations of your personal liberties. Yeah. It created opportunities for media platforms to go out of bounds in terms of you know towing the line. Like what 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 is what is it about that statement that would even like require them to consider suspending his account what's behind that and and that's what concerned me right that that the statement didn't advocate violence it didn't it 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 was a simple in the first two sentences it was a simple statement of fact and the third statement was a conclusion it was a conclusion right hey call it a lot of things but it ain't a vaccine at that point yeah probably 85% of the medical world is like, that's right about any other issue except for this one. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it. Okay. Now you guys, now this is going to go longer now. You, you no, <laughs> I'm done. I'm there's just, two, like, just two other observations. Um, the, the first is that um, I was at a, a, at a conference this week in Florida and it was very well attended um, in, in part because of the organization and, and in part, I think, because a lot of people had really just wanted to get together with other people. Yeah. Okay? And in Florida, of course, you don't have to wear a mask, but corporations can require their employees to wear masks. And every single person who, who, who worked at this, at this particular hotel complex was masked. Okay. And with rare exception, every single one of the attendees of this conference was not masked. And the contrast is shot. When you see it like that, the contrast is shocking. Yeah. It's shocking. Okay. And I don't want to get into like, you know, you know, the all that other the stuff that's under, you know, the undertone of all that. But it 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 is it is shocking. Um, the second is. I forgot to bring this up earlier. There's an actual article uh, in CNN, an analysis by Zach Wolf. Okay, so whatever the hell that means. Climate change is sparking wildfires that are amplifying COVID. <laughs> really? They're not sparking. Wildfire whack a mole is the new Western reality in the U.S. As fires contained this month in Oregon, blah, blah, blah. So, part of the new smoky reality is that it's driving up the threat of COVID 19 at exactly the wrong time. So COVID 19 cases and hospitalizations have been climbing precipitously in the Reno area o- over the past two weeks, according to CNN. Coronavirus cases in Washoe County are up 24% compared to the week before. Hospitalizations increased by more than 18%, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know where they're going with this, right? PM. Okay. Now, if we continue to allow quote unquote reporters to take data and extrapolate that the data is reaching a conclusion that they would like to see for the purposes of publishing an article like this, we're gone. You talk about Twitter. These are, this is insane, man. I'm, I'm, this I'm, is insane. I'm fully, okay. confident. I'm fully confident that the American people laugh at stuff like that. I don't know anymore. I honestly don't know anymore because I, I, I do. you live, you live, you live too close to our nation's capital because, because as I've stated to you on a regular basis, I can read the New York times article and my, 
mother-in-law could read the exact same one and we can reach two dramatically different conclusions. Yeah, but your mother-in-law right. lives your mother-in-law lives in her own bubble. She lives in the New York City bubble. And you know what? Um you, those people are going to be the last to be saved. So, you know, this tribe this tribe thing and it's not a, it's not a, a lot going on here. There's a lot going on. We can we can't talk about this in this podcast cuz it's talk about to be light, okay? We can't talk about it. I just want to make one quick point about that story. I think the guy missed the point. It's not just that the fires are being exacerb are exacerbating COVID. They're also exacerbating systemic racism. <laughs> I'm not sure how yet. Give me some. Give me. Give me a week. To well, actually, out. that 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 is because the because our beloved health sec HHS secretary Basera is is opening up an office of climate change to wow. study just that, right in the in the the HHS. Um, and circle back basically just briefly brought this this up uh, at a presser so i'm going to pull this pull this up uh, i will say that the president's looking forward to welcoming uh the prime minister who's already in town as you know having a variety of meetings today uh i would expect uh, we expect their conversation to be wide-ranging to cover a range of topics of mutual interest everything from uh covid19 and uh, our efforts to address the global pandemic to regional security issues, which could include a range of topics. <laughs> okay. you know what? Everybody has a day, I suppose. Plandemic. For those who didn't catch it, she yeah. described it as a plandemic. Plandemic. She, and she part um, of QAnon. Our <laughs> start, start looking for her hand signals. Our beloved Canadian Prime Minister had a couple of uh, comments to uh, to make about both COVID and climate change. Here they are. What we learned from this climate, this uh, COVID crisis, we will be applying to the climate crisis, to the housing crisis, to reconciliation, to making sure that everyone has good jobs and careers that carry them through and create opportunities for their kids. Do you have no comment on that? What's this? I mean, how can... These guys, this is the blueprint, brother. This is the blueprint. Lock them down. Lock them down. Lock it down. Climate lockdowns are coming. These guys talk so much, it's impossible to take them serious about anything they say. All right. Okay. That uh, that was going to be uh, the, the closing, but I do want to end with a song in honor of our friend um, who is from this state. So hold on. You know what it is? Yeah. Oh, the sun shines bright on the old Kentucky home. Tis summer, the old folks are gay. Oh, that's a wrap, everybody. Have a stay. Take care, y'all. In the meadows and the blue, while the birds make music all the day.